Well, today uh, we are going to wrap up our series entitled God Hates, and we've kind of been taking a unique look at a concept from Scripture. Uh, we've kind of dove into some real amazing truths from the Word of God, and our foundational thought for this entire series is simply this. We said, God is love. How many glad God is love? First John tells us that God is love. Love is not what God does. Love is who He is, and we recognize that because God is love, God God hates, right? Because God loves righteousness, God hates evil. Because God loves justice, God hates injustice. And I love this last one, because God loves sinners. How many glad God loves sinners? God hates sin. And all of a sudden, we've been recognizing that part of us effectively living our Christian life is understanding that when I begin to love what God loves and I begin to hate what God hates, all of a sudden it begins to strategically position me. I shared a couple weeks ago, it's kind of like the banks of a river, right? When you remove the banks from a river, you get a swamp. But when you bring banks to a river, all of a sudden you get living water. And when we begin to live between the banks to the river of what God loves and what God hates, I believe it creates a Holy Ghost revival. I think it stirs us, I think it moves us, and I think it empowers us to live the life that God has called us to live. So let's look in Proverbs chapter 6, which has been our foundational scripture for this study, and kind of dive in today and look at the last two points from the Word of God. The Bible says these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. And on week one, we talked about how God hates pride. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. On week two, we talked about how God hates lies and God hates murder. Verse 18 says, God hates a heart that devises wicked plans and feet that are swift and running to evil. Last Sunday, we talked about how God hates deception in the hearts of men and how that God hates evil in the lives of people. In verse 19 is where we're going to kind of uh, look today. The Bible says, God hates a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. So look at that first point for all you note takers on your outline. So God hates a false witness and one who sows discord. We want to reframe it like this. God hates division. God hates division because a house divided against itself can not stand. God hates a false witness and one who sows discord. You know what a false witness and one who sows discord have in common? They both bring division. They bring division into families. They bring division into communities. They bring division into churches. And all of a sudden, when you find someone that's speaking lies and sowing discord, you find that not far behind the lies and discord of deception comes the division of the enemy. And one of Satan's oldest schemes from the beginning of time is really simple. This is how Satan works. He wants to divide and conquer. And that's one of the strategies of the enemy. And I want you to see today from the Word of God, God hates division. God hates division that separates families from the heart and the will of God. God hates division that causes communities to miss the mark of what God intends for them. God hates division in the local church that causes us to spend our time and our energy focused on things that have no real value. And God hates division in the nation. How many of you know America, our nation, and the nations of, world, of the world are divided in so many fractions and so many segments, right? We have division over spiritual elements. We have relational division. 
We have racial, racial division. We definitely have political division in our nation. And you recognize that in the midst of all that division, Satan many times creates a stronghold to divide and conquer and keep us from doing what he has called us to do. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, the Bible says this. It says, speaking of Jesus, and he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So when the demon had gone out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And others testing him sought, him, sought from him a sign from heaven. Verse 17, but he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falls. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because I say to you, because you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by who do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Verse 20. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, how many thankful for the finger of God? How many thankful for the power of God today? Come on, somebody, that can move and work in our lives. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you, and he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. I, I love this scripture. I love this scripture not only because it gives us an insight into the strategy of the enemy that a kingdom or a house divided against itself will not stand, but it also gives us some affirmation. I want you to think about this scripture for just a minute. I believe this scripture exposes the lies of the enemy. Every now and then, you'll hear a well-meaning Christian say something like this. Well, you know, I believe God gave me cancer so I could learn a lesson. Or I believe God gave me some kind of sickness so I could learn a lesson. Or God brought this tragedy on me so that I could learn a lesson. You know what the Bible says? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, a house divided against itself can not stand. How many of you know that Jesus is not divided against the Father? That the kingdom of God is not in division. The kingdom of God is in unity. So what does that mean? It simply means this. It means that anytime you see Jesus doing something, you know it is the will of God. And everywhere that Jesus went, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, and he set the captives free. Why? Because it is the will of God that we are healed, delivered, and made whole. Can I get an amen from somebody today? God does not make you sick so he can make you well. God does not break you so just so he can restore you. God does not crush you just so he can raise you up. We recognize sin, self, and Satan are the things that are behind the devastation and the chaos in our world. And we begin to recognize something that the kingdom of God is not divided. That we can stand in faith and in confidence that it's God's will. Come on, somebody. It's God's will for us to be healthy and whole. It's God's will for us to be delivered and set free. It's God's will for us to pray prosper and have health even as our soul prospers. God is working overtime to bring redemption and salvation into our lives. And he said, in a house divided against itself cannot stand. God hates division. Look at that next point. What is division? Division is really division. It is two visions. Division is two visions. It's division. Anything that separates us from God's vision for our lives, that's individually. And anything that separates us from His will in the earth, that is corporately, is demonic, carnal, and destructive. Satan's strategy is to separate me and you 
from the vision of God for our lives. He wants to bring division into our life. Die vision. He wants to distract, disrupt, and ultimately divide and separate us from the purpose and plan of God. Isn't it interesting? I was just thinking about this this morning as I was praying. Isn't it interesting that we can be, we can be zoned in, undistracted for hours scrolling Facebook? We can be zoned in, undistracted to binge watching our favorite show on television. But the moment you open your Bible and try to read, all hell breaks loose. Think about it. You can scroll and scroll and scroll with no distractions. But the moment you start to open the Bible and connect your heart to the Word of God, all hell breaks loose. The kids go crazy. The washing machine blows up. The boss calls. Things happen. Why? Because every time you try to set yourself in unison with God's plan and God's purpose, Satan tries to divide. He wants to separate you from those things. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with young men and women in the faith, and they say, Pastor Keith, I feel like God's called me to do something. And they take that first step toward the vision of God for their life, and then all hell breaks loose. Because Satan's scheme and Satan's strategy is he wants to divide and conquer. He wants to separate us from the very thing that God has created and called us to. And let me just encourage you today, you got to guard your heart. And you got to persevere and you got to press through. Because when all hell breaks loose, guess what? That's confirmation. <laughs> that you're doing the very thing God is calling you to do. And your willingness to press through the distraction and division of the enemy is key to you coming out on the other side with the victory and the mission and the vision that God has for our lives. When you think about how Satan uses division in every aspect of our lives to pull us away from God, what God has for us, it is astounding. I want you to look with me in James chapter 3. Because in James chapter 3, the Apostle James does something amazing. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives us some insight into what he calls the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of God is how God operates. And the wisdom of the world is how the world operates. And what he shows us is how that God wants to work in our life. And then how the enemy wants to distract and divide us from the very mission that God has for our lives. Look what he says in James 3. He says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Look at verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, they're carnal, they're unspiritual, and they are what? Demonic. Demonic. Let me give you a thought this morning. When you yield to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, when you allow jealousy and selfishness to take precedence in your heart and your life, what starts out as a carnal desire becomes a demonic stronghold. 
We have a word for that in our nation. It's called addiction. What started out as a carnal desire to have fun and be the life of the party and maybe forget about some of the things that were going on in our life ends up becoming a demonic stronghold that now controls and dictates your life. But guess what? When we talk about addiction, we automatically think about drugs and alcohol. But we are a nation that is addicted to pornography and power and position and prestige. And now through social media, we have a whole generation that is addicted to the likes and follows and status that they can obtain through a social media feed. And what starts out as a carnal desire, if we're not careful, becomes a demonic stronghold that ends up bringing us into a place of bondage and no longer are we choosing it now it is controlling us and we see it over and over in our land and so the apostle James under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says guys I want you to recognize something I want you to recognize that jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom they are earthly carnal unspiritual and demonic look at verse 16 for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition there you will find disorder and evil of every kind God hates a false witness who speaks lies and he who sows discord among the brethren. And as I was praying through this, the Lord began to show me that jealousy and selfishness become the root of those two things. When we become jealous of other people, it's really easy for us to move into a place of manipulation and lies where we begin to tear down who they are. Because how many of you understand that in a carnal, fleshly way, when you have jealousy in your heart and you want what somebody else has or you want to be like somebody else is, you know what will happen if we're not careful? That jealousy will cause us to begin to try to tear them down so we can build ourselves up. We have a whole culture now of young people that are growing up with cyberbullying where somebody puts a target on the back of another young person and they begin to tear them down. They begin to speak lies. They begin to sow discord. They begin to create questions and, and accusations and condemnation. It's amazing that now on social media you're no longer innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty because somebody said you were. And all of a sudden we recognize out of that jealous spirit out of jealousy comes false witness and lies. Out of jealousy comes a seed of discord and selfishness that begins to fuel and feed this divisiveness. You think about our marriages. You want to put a death blow to your marriage, then allow jealousy and selfishness to begin to reign in your marriage. The moment I start thinking that my marriage is all about me is the moment I'm in trouble. The moment I start thinking that Kelly's purpose in life is to make me happy, happy is the moment I am in trouble. Jealousy and selfishness begins to bring division into our marriage. I, I heard John Maxwell, one of my heroes of the faith, he made a statement one time. He said very rarely did his wife ever public speak, speak in public. She didn't love public speaking. He said, but we were doing an interview one day, and he said, somebody asked my wife this question. They said, uh, uh, Margaret, does John make you happy? And he said, I remember sitting there on that stool beside her, and I was just cringing on the inside, wondering, what in the world is she going to say? He said, to my wise, wise wife, she said, no, John doesn't make me happy. Jesus makes me happy, and John adds to my happiness. 
See, if you think your marriage is all about you, you're in trouble. If you think the world revolves around you, you're in trouble. And what will happen, think about that, this is interesting, what selfishness does, selfishness thinks everything should revolve around me, but what selfishness actually does is it divides and separates you from other people. Because when I live in a selfish, self-centered, jealous mindset, I actually push people away instead of drawing people near. Jealousy on the job. Think about what happens because of jealousy on the job. Think about the lies, the, the stories, the discord, the manipulation. Think about how people are willing to step on somebody else just to climb another rung in the corporate ladder. Think about in the business world the, the corruption that happens because of a jealous, selfish spirit where somebody wants what somebody else has and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Think about even in the church how jealousy and selfishness creeps in and many times causes us to begin to lobby and push and pull for position and prestige because we want to be seen and we want to be known. And all of a sudden we recognize God hates division. Why? Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Division separates us from the heart and the vision and the mission of God for our lives. As I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, Keith, when, when you operate out of jealousy, you're ap actually operating out of a false identity in your own heart and your life. He said, if, if, you would, if you just knew who you were in me, you wouldn't have to be jealous of anybody else. If you knew who you were in me, if you were rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ, then you would recognize that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you don't have to compare yourself. And you don't have to measure yourself. And you don't have to be jealous of other people because they do things you wish you could do. Guess what? God didn't make you to be them. God made you to be you. And when you recognize that, all of a sudden, you begin to extinguish that little jealous spirit. It says, well, I wish I, could, I wish I could do what they do. I wish I was outgoing like they were outgoing. I wish I, wish I could sing or I could speak or I, I wish I had that gift or I wish I had that talent. I wish I had that thing that they have. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we allow a jealous spirit. Think about this. The Lord said, I hate jealousy. Because not only does jealousy hurt the other person. How I many know when you have a jealous spirit toward another person, you're not going to bring life to them. You're going to bring death to them. Your jealousy is not going to strengthen the relationship. Your jealousy is going to weaken the relationship. And it's going to cause division and discord and confusion and chaos, not strength and not life and not health. And so all of a sudden we recognize that whenever I realize that out of, out of, out of understanding who I am in Christ, I can begin to celebrate who I am and honor who God made you to be. That we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. And that I have a unique gift and talent and ability that should be honored and celebrated. And I don't have to be critical of you in order to elevate me. <laughs> you ever get around people that are constantly putting down other people? <laughs> the root behind that is jealousy and selfishness. It's a divisive spirit that says, I don't know who I am, so I have to make less of you so I can feel better about me because I am struggling in my own identity. 
I, I want to challenge you to do something today. I want to challenge you to take some time this week and just begin to ask the Lord to really highlight who He made you to be. God, I want to see me like you see me. I want to see the gifts and the talents because guess what? We all got gifts, we all got talents, and we all got weaknesses, and we all got flaws. Welcome to the human race. And we are all uniquely crafted and shaped by God. And I don't have to allow a jealous spirit to bring division. I can allow a heart that is whole in Christ to begin to celebrate and bring unity. When I can begin to honor the gift of God that is in you, without minimizing the gift of God that is in me, I'm in a good place. And when I can begin to honor the gift of God that is in me without minimizing the gift of God that is in you, I'm in a good place. And it is that from that place of unity and harmony that we can actually begin to build each other up. A critical, judgmental, accusing, condemning tongue is usually rooted out of a jealous, selfish spirit that brings division instead of life and blessing. Amen? So look at the wisdom of God. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving and gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. How many know when you're jealous and selfish, you don't yield to anybody? You expect everybody to do it your way because it's all about you. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's the wisdom that's from above. The wisdom of God unites us. The wisdom of the world divides us because it's driven out of a jealous, selfish spirit that wants to promote itself and its own agenda over the will and the work of God. Look at that next point. There are two types of division I want you to see. This is kind of an interesting study as I kind of got into this message. There are two types of division. There's one type of division we're going to see that we've already been talking about. That's the division that brings death. But there's also a division that brings life. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. So let's talk about that first part. So God hates division that's birthed out of lies, jealousy, and selfish ambition. God hates a false witness and he who sows discord among the brethren. God hates division that weakens the body of Christ. That weakens your family, our community, our church, and the nation of the world. God hates division that weakens the body of Christ. God hates the kind of division that undermines the authority of Scripture and distracts us from the vision and mission of God. This type of division brings death and destruction. Where there is lies, jealousy, and selfishness, I can tell you what will happen. The body of Christ will be weakened. The authority of God's Word will be questioned. And the vision and mission of God will be abandoned. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul. He says, I appeal, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the what? In the church, but rather be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. If you've been in the church world very long and you've been a Christian very long, you understand the one thing that can destroy the work of God in a local church quicker than anything is division. It's division. 
And all of a sudden, out of a jealous and selfish spirit, we begin to bring a divisiveness into the work of God. And all of a sudden, we've all seen it, right? We've seen thriving churches become surviving churches. We've seen life-giving churches become churches that barely can keep their doors open week in and week out. Why? Because there was division in the house of God. God hates division because it separates us from the vision and mission of God. Paul encouraged the Corinthian church. He says, let there be no division in the body of Christ. 24 years ago, God uh, opened the doors of Liberty Church, and we had the opportunity of birthing this church. And, and the thing the Lord said to me 24 years ago, he said, Keith, I want you to start an interdenominational church. And I said, Lord, what is that? <laughs> I know what a non-denominational church is. I know what a denominational church is because I grew up in one my whole life. What is an interdenominational church? And I'll never forget what the Holy Spirit said to me over 24 years ago. He said, I want you to take the strengths of the different denominations and bring them together under one roof. And then he said this, I want you to focus on the things that unite the body of Christ, not the things that divide the body of Christ. I want you to focus on the things that unite us, not the things that divide us. I want you to major on the majors. I, I want to tell you one of the schemes of the enemy is to get us to major on the minors, to be distracted and divided over things that are maybe unclear. How many know there's a lot of debatable issues in the Bible? There's, there's a lot. I mean, I've had some great debates over the years. And typically, at the end of the debates, nobody was really accurate or true as to what was really true. <laughs> because, boy, there was one scripture over here that sounded like it said this, and there was another scripture over here that sounded like it said this, and there was another scripture over here that sounded like it said this. And I've had some great debates, and I know what I believe, and I know why I believe based on the scripture. And when it gets to end times, I mean, end times is one of those things. I mean, there is so much meat, so much knowledge, so much truth, so much to learn and so much to glean. But at the end of the day, we won't know till we know. <laughs> and what happens many times is Satan comes in, not just into our churches, but yes, into our churches, and sows a little seed of discord and division over a minor thing that is debatable. And not clear. How many know there's some clear things in here? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to heaven except through him. He is the only hope that you and I can have. And we must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him as our Lord and Savior in order to be saved. For over 12 years, I've been a part of the Arab Ministers Association. we got about 10, 12 churches that meet every month. And one of the things we recognized about 12 years ago is we have a lot of things we disagree on. But we all agree on Jesus. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And apart from Him, there is no salvation and there is no life. And when we learn how to focus on the majors and not the minors, all of a sudden we can come together on what unites us and we can see the kingdom of God grow and we can see the world advance in coming to know Christ. But that's not just true in the church is also true in your family. I was thinking about raising our kids, and we decided a long time ago that we were going to kind of fight the battles that needed to be fought, and not every battle was worth an explosion in our home. How many know Satan wants to sow discord in your home? He wants to divide and conquer you. So Samantha, who's right up here on front, her and John West are youth pastor here at Everett Campus. She always loved pink, purple, green, green, yellow, different color hair, and she still does. 
she always wore socks that never matched. And we go to basketball games, and she was the only girl on the team, and she'd have a pink sock and a blue sock, and I'm over there freaking out. <laughs> and we decided a long time ago, hair can be cut and colored and changed. And socks are socks. So what if instead of fighting over the minor things, what if we focused on the real things like the condition of her heart with God? What if we focused on making sure that she was raised in an atmosphere that was cultivating a passion and a desire to know God and walk in His ways and follow His path? What if instead of spending all of our time arguing over the things that aren't going to matter in another year, that we begin to focus our energies on the things that would matter in 20 years and 30 years and 40 years and 50 years? And I have to give a lot of props to my amazing wife because Kelly led the charge in all these things. She was very good and precise and on point in reminding us that hair's hair, clothes will change. You can be wild and crazy and still be modest all at the same time. And I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful for the amazing children that we have and the gift that God has given us in them. We didn't do it perfectly. We messed up in a lot of ways. But I can say that's one little element where we recognize we're not going to give the devil a foothold by fighting over the things that don't matter when we can actually focus on the things that do matter and bringing our family and our children up in a home that honors God. The same is true on your job. Think about it on your job. Yeah, yeah. How many you know, uh, we, we have a little saying here at Liberty Church. Kelly loves this saying. Don't you love this saying, baby? We love change. We love change. Change is the only constant in our world. We love change. But how many of you know, really, most of us don't love change? And John Maxwell says the only person that likes change is the person whose idea it was anyway. So. <laughs> think about it on your job. Think about it on your job. Think, think about how that there can be a new policy implemented. And we've been doing something for 10 years or 20 years, and all of a sudden a new boss comes in, a new supervisor comes in, a new system comes in, and now we're going to do things different than we've ever done them before, and how everybody grumbles, and how everybody gripes, and how everybody complains, and I can't believe they're doing this to us, and this is so horrible, and why would they do this to us? And you just think, think, and think, think about all the seeds of discord that get sowed in the midst of that craziness. You know why? Because we're selfish. We want to do what we've done the way we've done it for as long as we've done it because that's how we've done it. And so all of a sudden we begin to recognize the wisdom that is from above is a life-giving wisdom. But where there's jealousy and envy and strife, all of a sudden there's discord and discontentment and chaos and confusion. And guess what happens? You pitch a fit, you cry, you whine, you grumble, you gripe. And it stays the same, and you've got to adapt, and you've got to adjust, and you've maybe said some things you shouldn't have said. You maybe made some enemies you shouldn't have made. You maybe crossed some lines you shouldn't have crossed just because we didn't like change. There are types of division that bring death, but then there are types of division that bring life. I want you to look with me at the, la the next point. Because God embraces division birthed by truth, righteousness, and holiness. Jesus himself brings division between light and darkness. The word of God divides between the soul and the spirit, and the Holy Spirit divides between sin and righteousness. This type of division brings 
life. This is interesting. When you talk about division, there's a division that separates us from the heart and the will of God, and then there is a division that separates us to the heart and the will of God. Righteousness and holiness and purity separates us to the heart of God. And what we're going to see in scriptures, I want you to look at me. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many know light and darkness are contradictory one to another? You can't live in the light and walk in the darkness. You can't turn on the light and still be in the dark. Jesus divides. He separates light from darkness. He separates the kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness. Look at Colossians chapter 1. It says, For he, speaking of God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus makes a very alarming statement. Look what he says. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And all of a sudden Jesus said there's a Holy Ghost division. Where when you walk in the light, you can't walk in the darkness. When you walk in righteousness, you can't walk in unrighteousness. The Bible says in the book of Amos chapter 3 verse 3, How can two walk together unless they agree? And all of a sudden, you know what Jesus does? Jesus brings division. Between the light and the dark. And that's why one of the most challenging things that happens is when one spouse gets saved and another spouse is not saved because we used to agree on everything and now we agree on nothing. We used to run the same paths and now we're running different paths. And now there's some chaos and there's confusion and now there's some struggles and now there's some pain and now there's some difficulty and now there's some challenges that wasn't there before. I've been, I just finished up a book entitled The Insanity of God talking about persecuted Christians all over the world. And it's amazing how many Christians in other countries, the moment they accept Christ, they get excommunicated and disowned by their own families simply because they accept Jesus. Because guess what Jesus does? Jesus separates us from the world. He brings us out of the darkness in to the light. Doesn't mean there's not salvation and redemption for the family. Doesn't mean you can't work through it and overcome it. Doesn't mean that you can't come out on the other side with a glorious picture of God bringing salvation to the whole family because guess what? Guess how God brings salvation to the whole family? God has to bring salvation to one person in the family. <laughs> Somebody's got to be willing to come out of the darkness and walk in the light in order to bring the rest of the family out of the darkness into the light. Right now, we have some major denominations, a major denomination in America that's going through a division. They're going through a split, and it's a battle over light versus darkness. And it's a real battle. And you got to understand that when Christ steps into a situation, He doesn't step in and bring peace, so to speak, between light and darkness. He brings a sword that separates the light from the darkness. How many know there is a right way and there's a wrong way when it comes to there is a standard. The Word of God divides soul and spirit. Soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. It, it separates the reasoning of man from the revelation of God. The Holy Spirit brings division between sin and righteousness. Look what the Bible says in the book of John. 
Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, verse 8, And when he will come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. How many of you know as a Christian, when you sin, the Holy Spirit says, That was wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have went there. That was sin. I'm thankful for that. How about you? I'm thankful that he convicts me when I do wrong, and he actually convicts me to do right. He doesn't just tell me when I've missed it. He actually tells me what I should do so that I won't miss it. But guess what the Holy Spirit does? He divides. You know what I've never heard the Holy Spirit say? It's okay, Keith. It doesn't matter how you live your life. He puts his finger on it. <laughs> he says, that was sin. Your attitude, that was wrong. Those words you said, you need to apologize. I mean, he just puts his finger right on it. You know why? Because he divides. Look at one more scripture with me, and I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to give you two final thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The division that brings life. Look at this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them I will walk among them I will be their God and they shall be my people. Look at verse 17. Therefore come out from among them and be what? Separate. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This doesn't mean we don't love lost people, reach lost people, and befriend lost people. It just means we're not defiled by the sin that defiles them. That we come out from among them and we're separate. So I want you to hear, there's two types of division. There's a division that comes through lies, jealousy, and selfishness. It's a division that's birthed by the enemy that separates us from the heart and the will of God. But there is also a division that comes through Jesus, the light over the darkness, that comes by the Word of God, distinguishing between the reason of man and the revelation of God, that comes by the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin and righteousness. And the, and the division that comes from the Lord separates us to God. Sin separates us from God. Righteousness separates us to God. And I want you to hear this. God wants us to be separated to Him so that we are empowered to reach into the darkness and bring others to Him. See, I'm convinced that one of the reasons most Christians aren't reaching lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is because we're not separated enough from the world to actually have influence in the world. Because if I walk like the world, talk like the world, and act like the world, then where is my influence to reach into that world and pull them out to the light of Christ? God says, I want you to come out from among them so you can be empowered to reach them with the gospel. I want you to be so filled with light that when you walk in the room, the darkness has to leave. I want you to be so full of the Spirit that you're no longer deceived by the rationality of human wisdom. I want you to be so under the conviction and direction of the Holy Spirit that your steps are being ordered by the Lord. And all of a sudden we realize God wants us to be set apart so we can reach into the darkness and help a world come to know Christ. It's not so we don't touch the world. It's so that we are empowered to go into the world and make a difference 
that actually makes a difference. One of my favorite quotes from an old evangelist that we know made this statement years ago. He said, a difference that makes no difference is really no difference at all. If the difference in your life between you and another person doesn't make a difference in how you live your life, then you're really not different. A difference that makes no difference is really no difference at all. God says, I want you to come out. The devil wants to separate us from God. God wants to separate us to him so we can reach into our world and touch them with the gospel. Last point, here it is, a quick wrap-up. Because God is love, God hates. And when we love what he loves and we hate what he hates, we walk in unity with God, we live the life he has called us to live. Let's just bow our heads today. I want to challenge you this morning to, as a believer, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you're watching me online and you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life, I want to challenge you with this thought today. As a Christian, if you know that you know that you know you're a child of God, I want to ask you today, have you allowed jealousy and selfish ambition to disconnect you from God's vision and purpose for your life? Have you allowed jealousy and selfishness to create division in your family in your community, on your job, in the church? Have you allowed jealousy and selfishness to create discord and disconnection? Because I want to tell you today, God loves you. And you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And you know Jesus Christ as a Christian. You know Him as your Lord and Savior. But I believe the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on those things today. Not because He's against us, but because He's for us. And he's saying, I want to set you apart so that you can reach into the darkness and bring people out. You've got to be so different from the darkness that you shine like a light. And I want to do that for you. It's not our flesh. It's his spirit that accomplishes that. But maybe right now you just need to say, God, I need to ask you to forgive me. I've allowed jealousy, maybe some jealousy and some selfishness to bring division. I've I've operated out of a self-centered, self-seeking heart. Instead of out of a God-honoring heart that wants to bring unity. I've put my will over your will, God. I put my ways over your ways. I put my preferences over the authority of your word. And today I repent. If that's you, this is just your moment right now just to, to be honest with God. Let the Holy Spirit just work in your life today. There is holy anointing in this place today just to eradicate our hearts and set us apart for his glory so we can serve him the last thing I want to do this morning before we close is what we do every Sunday and that is simply this if you're here this morning and you know that Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life you've never really come out of the darkness into light that doesn't mean you're not a good person doesn't mean you hadn't been to church It just means that you know in your heart of hearts you've never been what Jesus called being born again. There's never been a day that you can look back to and say, this is when my life changed and I came out of the darkness and I came into the light of Christ and I've never been the same. I've not been perfect and I've I've, I've struggled with things still in my life, but I know without a shadow of a doubt my life changed. 
if you don't have that day, if you can't think back to that day when you came out of the darkness and came into the light, then today can be your day. The Bible says if we believe in our heart, the Lord Jesus Christ said he died and he rose again on the third day, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we can be saved. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to come out of the darkness. I want to walk in that light. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want you just to slip your hand up across the sanctuary. I want you to hit that chat box and say, I'm raising my hand right now. If you're watching online, just slip your hand up. Today, I want to accept Christ. Today, I want to come out of the darkness. And I want to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. It'll be the greatest day of your life. It'll be a transition point that you'll never forget. And that you'll rejoice in for the rest of your life. You go from being lost to found. From being blind where you can see. From being spiritually dead where you can actually be alive in Christ. I'm going to give you just one more moment. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're about to pray. For those of them that are watching, those that are watching online, we want to pray with you this morning. But if that's you, just slip your hand up before we go to the Lord in prayer. Let's bow our heads today. Let's say this together. Let's pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I confess that I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to come out of darkness into your glorious light. I want to be born again. I receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day day in the Lord. And if you're interested in Band of Brothers Men's Conference, stop by the Band of Brothers booth to my left. If you're interested in registering for an encounter, stop by the Information Center on the right on your way out today. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.